Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. So, we'll get started here. Welcome back to Skinwalker Radio. My guest today is Gary Voorhees. Gary is a U.S. Navy veteran, and he served on the USS Princeton. During his time on the Princeton, he was tasked with the security and inventory of top secret and classified information and materials, including being trained on the WASP military recon, UAV for the Pacific Fleet during Operation Enduring Freedom, and Operation Iraqi Freedom. During the week of the 14th of November in 2004, he was an eyewitness to the USS Nimitz Tic Tac event. As interviewed by Chris Mellon for the History Channel show, Unidentified America, Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. He's with us today to kind of talk about some of the experience that he had while in the Navy during that day. So thank you for joining us, Gary. Yeah, no problem. I always look forward to, <laughs> I love uh, doing podcasts. Is uh, yeah, the the big uh, you know, the coast to coast and stuff like that's always cool. But I, I like the podcast because I can just kind of chill. <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. It's it's a lot of fun to to make these and talk to cool guys like you. You know, I grew up watching X Files and listening to Coast to Coast AM. So to have the opportunity to do something like that myself is just it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've uh probably uh probably similar I'm probably not too far in age uh, maybe a little older than you but uh, yeah i'm 33 yeah i'm a little older i turned 40 this year so but uh, i grew up with x-files myself yeah yeah that was a fantastic show i think that got a lot of us hooked uh so yeah your story has really captivated me you know wade's here with me and wade's talked about uh you know you guys' conversation and we've been following this thing for quite some time so really what i want to do is i'd love for you to kind of Take us back to that day when you're on the USS Princeton and all this Tic Tac stuff is going down. So you wake up in that morning um, and then what happens? <laughs> oh, actually, I was pissed that morning. <laughs> uh, I, had, uh, I had done a, a late watch. We call it the, the mid watch. So I was like on from like midnight till like four. And so you're supposed to be able to sleep in that day. Well, I'm the only computer tech on the ship. So guess who doesn't get to sleep in? <laughs> So I get outside, I'm smoking a cigarette, and one of the, the spy guys, the guys that run the skids and stuff for the spies, like, yeah, so we got a bunch of clutter and shit we got to deal with, and we're tracking unknowns, so we got to deal with that. So I'm like, ah, shit, maintenance. Uh, you know, so it's just one shit storm after another for that day. And then uh, I went up to the consoles, and honestly, they didn't look like clutter to me, but, you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody. And if you're going to report something like that to the captain, you, you kind of want to be sure that you're telling them that it's, you know, okay, this is a real track. This is an unknown object. Da, 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 da. Well, so, uh, after, after we had tracked these things for like over a day, they finally give us permission to take everything down, rerun diagnostics, make sure everything's running fine recalibrate everything make sure everything's within calibrations and then bring it back up and sure enough they're still there right when we bring them back up so um then it gets really boring for a while where we're all just waiting you know we're waiting for our chain of command to kind of react to the fact that there's these unknown craft that we keep popping on and off the radars and uh we were tracking between like uh three and ten at a time and they'd stay for an undetermined amount of time kind of they would just do like a hundred knots to begin with and then they would uh just disappear and then they'd come back and then they'd disappear and then they'd come back and it, that's pretty much how it went for probably like four days and all while this is going on is like anytime i saw that we were close enough within you know at night you could probably see well quite a few, or at least these 30 to 50 miles away. Now that's if you could see visible light now with the big eyes, which is these huge binoculars that sit up on, on the bridge wing. 
and you can see a lot farther out. So anytime I thought I might be able to glimpse one of these things, I'd be up there trying to check it out. And I got to see it a couple of times during the day and I got to see it at night. And, but it was at a distance that I'll be honest, I wouldn't be able to tell you any details about other than that it was there and it was definitely doing all of the odd things that they were telling you because it would be, you'd be watching it and it would just disappear or it would move like what, what would be like an inch to you, but you know, it was like, you know, 50 miles because you're, you know, the distance you're looking at it, but it would be so fast that you didn't realize it moved until it was already at it to the next place. But your brain would say, yes, it did move. That's the same object, but there's no way you could prove it was the same object because of how fast it moved. Um, then uh, finally, one day I get that word that, you know, hey, come check it out. We got, uh, you know, they did the intercept. I'm like, oh, what? What do you mean they did the intercept? And, all right. And so we go, I thought, uh, I thought they meant like, they're doing it right now. Come and watch it. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. Well, it ended up being a recorded version of it, and they had already done the intercept. But either way, I got to watch this video of the intercept, and it, it shows them, you know, um, interrogating this object, and then all of a sudden the object would disappear, and then come back, and then it, it, they'd zoom out, they'd watch the object, and it would just, you know, it, it would start moving at massive amounts of speeds, do right angle turns, and go off the screen, come out back on the screen. And at first I thought maybe it was like the jet moving and it was just kind of pulling off the screen. But then um, it would do, when they would back off the camera to get a wider view of the object, you could actually see that it really was the object moving, not just the camera. So it was, it, 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 was, it was like, it blew my mind. So at that point it's like, it's one thing to watch, you know, X-Files as a kid and just, you know, have your imagination stimulated but it's another thing to actually see an object that shouldn't be doing what it's doing <laughs> like like wait a minute i only see this shit on tv how could this be happening <laughs> and uh so i kind of when you when you're in the service you do what you're told to do you don't you can't really like be you know, it's easy to say oh well why don't you make copies of the tapes or why didn't you do this why didn't you do that because you get caught doing that stuff, you're done. I mean, you're, you're not going to be talked to again. You're going to Leavenworth. So, it, it, so then uh, a little while after I had finished watching that movie, uh, I, we, we watched it through a second time. And then after that, I went to my space because I was going to go grab a zip drive to try to get a copy of it. And by the time I got back, we couldn't watch it anymore. It had been removed from the drive so that we couldn't see it off the secret land anymore. So who, somebody had actually taken it off the drive already, like removed it from the server. <clears throat> and like, so the, the video that you guys saw was, was, uh, well, I'd be honest with you, most of the meat and potatoes of the movie, but it looked like it was the emailed version that I saw a little bit later. Like somebody had compressed the file crazy amounts because you couldn't really email a whole lot of information back in 2004 so it had to be like below five megabytes so that that that's why the compression ratio on that looks like it's you know the grainiest garbage piece of garbage i wish uh wish we could still get a hold of the the clearer version that we saw the day you know the day or the day after the intercept um i know J uh, jason turner was able was able to actually see the same video I did, and a lot of the officers got to see at least the, the a clearer version of the emailed portion that you guys had seen. Um, I know Fravor had had seen a movie, and I'm not sure which one he saw, but uh, there's there was a lot of jets in the air that day, and I mean, we only know about one video, and that's the only thing I know personally about, but. Personally, I got a feeling that there's probably more. Yeah, that's all really interesting. So one thing that stands out is you were witnessing three to 10 craft. And what we know is we know like the Tic Tac 
and we have the one video of the F-18 footage from uh, Commander Fravor, but you're saying that there are more well, footage. Fravor, Fravor didn't actually film any of that. It's the guy after him. Ah, yeah, it was right. actually, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. so Fravor is like one of the few like up-and-close eyewitnesses. You know, he's, he was basically dogfighting the damn thing without any weapons. So, I mean, it kind of contests how nuts he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So there might be up to 10 of these craft out there then, huh? Um, well, at, at any given time, we there was only 10. So, but we saw them multiple times. So we don't know exactly how many crafts there were, if they were always the same crafts. If, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of unknowns with this. And that's probably what drives us most crazy. So... Um, Another one that I think gets overshadowed a little bit by the Tic Tac is, uh, and Fravor mentions it, seeing something, he says, size of a 737 that's underwater. Uh, did anything yeah. get picked up with that? Any, you know, sonar, anything like that? Um, with our ship, like, I had heard hearsay. So, like, one of the sonar guys had actually told me they had a contact underwater, but it ended up being where I assume it's like, I, I assumed way too much as a junior junior petty officer at the time so it's like as soon as i went on uh, the history channel i tell you what not a lot of people wanted to talk to me before i went on it but man did they want to correct me afterwards <laughs> so i had actually one of my uh, close close buddies that was a sonar guy he actually ran the sonar shop he actually told me you know if there was a contact it wasn't from the princeton he knows that for a hundred percent certain but he didn't hear of anything happening from any other ships either but it very well could be possible that the sub could have gotten a hit um, or any of the, or maybe one of the other ships. I know that uh, the, we had one ship that was on the, next to the pier and the only way that they were actually participating in the events was through uh, a simulation through CEC. So they, they weren't actually there. So there was only so many ships that were actually there. Um, if anybody got a contact on the bigger object, it would have had to have been the, the sub that was with us. So I do have to ask out of ignorance, because uh, I have no idea. <clears throat> so how about whales? Do, do ships or submarines pick up whales if they're sailing around and there's a big whale? Um, generally, if we know if there's a whale in the area, we do not have active sonar going because it will kill the whale. Okay. Um, if we know that there's whales in the area, because once, like, once they get far enough away, like when they're actually coming in, we could see them if we're if we're actively pinging. Like so, if we're sending out sonar, then trying to get like a, a a hit off of an object. If there's a whale anywhere within a certain amount of range of these ships on active sonar, it will actually kill the whale. So then I'd have to guess that the people doing the sonar are probably pretty good at picking out a whale versus something yeah. else. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they the guys that do that type of stuff, they can they can tell you if it's a just a a sea bass in the damn water yeah that's interesting about the sonar if it's powerful enough to kill a whale then i have to assume it's also powerful enough to maybe damage uh like a friendly ship too then right so you well, would have to be really careful if uh, like a friendly sub was in the area so you don't f do like a full ping on that right well uh, a ping off of a vessel is not going to hurt the vessel itself i mean if they have even if they had their you know their equipment on and they were doing active tracking that system's made for taking sonar readings back so the only thing you're going to do is just be feeding them your sonar i mean these are metal ships they're not going to affect the ship at all the only thing that they're going to affect is the soft tissue of the brain of an animal that uses echolocation so another question that pops to my mind is so you mentioned that they'd seen these things for you know at least a few days before the jets got in the air uh operation wise is that normal, like for something, some kind of an anomaly like that to happen, to take that long before they send a jet out to investigate? Well, to be dead honest with you, I mean, I'd already been through two conflicts and we have never had anything decide to be that close to us at any given time for any length of time. Um, it, to me, was unusual, but in the same respect, we were also in tra a training mission with no ammunition other than small arms. Um, so... I could see where that they may be hesitant to try to engage an object that is unknown. Um, you have no clue what their capabilities are. I mean, this this whole segment here is just me speculating on what my chain of command was thinking. There's a, there's a couple of ways you could have, they could have been thinking about this. 
the captain that we had was an up and coming captain. He was looking for his next rank. He may have just been like, look, I'm not going to be the captain that tracked UFOs and just decided that maybe they will just go the fuck away and I won't have to deal with this. I mean, he, yeah, that very well could be because, I mean, right. even today, even with the new rules, there's still the stigmatism, you know? Yeah, well, I could imagine that being a career breaker. I mean, he's got a, you know, probably multi-billion dollar boat. You can't be the one to go off chasing the UFOs in the middle yeah, of the mission more, and turn up with nothing. Way more than a billion. My weapon system was a billion. Already. Right, yeah. We, we've got transmissions on board called GTGs that are worth, they're, they're worth so much that we rent them. <laughs> wow. So, in your opinion, of these possible 10 craft that are out there floating around within visual range, messing with you guys for four days, and then you chase them, do you think it's 10 of the same thing, or do you think that they could be different things? You know, because we hear stories about the Tic Tac versus the GoFast versus the Gimbal and, and all kinds of other things. Do you think that there's 10 Tic Tacs out there? I think there was. I think there was 10, 10 active. Uh, I mean, personally, to me, if there was something alive inside, it'd be amazing. Uh, the technology that would have to have been created to make those be able to allow for something with, you know, alive inside those while doing those maneuvers would be even more wild than thinking that they're just a super advanced drone. Because even as a drone, they could technically, if they decided that they, or if they, we come up with like some type of, you know, anti-gravity device allow us to, you know, basically move at right angles at 3,000 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, a human body is still not going to be able to deal with the inertia from that unless they were able to figure out some way to make it inside the Tic Tac have zero inertia. So if you're talking about multiple systems, that would be, you know, a thousand years beyond what we currently have. So as far as the uh, when the data was removed from the Princeton, uh, Hughes seemed to suggest that or suggest he he remembers it being uh, Air Force guys showed up on the well, Nimitz and, and the came guys that took stuff. it, the guys that came aboard our ship came aboard via Hilo. Um, I saw them come aboard, and then probably about maybe twenty minutes later, I got called down to a certain room to where uh, and then told to go get all my tapes. And that anything that wasn't recorded on, even if it's brand spanking new tape, has to be deleted. Now, the ones that were deleted were only deleted for the purpose of creating a timestamp saying that at this time there was no data. So that, you know, after the event, here's the timestamp, definitely no data. There wasn't any way that I could have, uh, you know, copied all the data. So handed over all the actual data tapes. Um, the CC got wiped so that, you know, we couldn't retrieve any data off of it because that's all linked in a network. So that, that data has already been retrieved in another node. So they wanted to get rid of it all locally from ours. And then uh, once the ship was completely wiped and everything, they had everything, they were gone. So they would have had to tell multiple people fairly quickly to go delete different things then no i'm the only one that dealt with it, both those systems <laughs> i was the cec technician and the computer technician on board so they landed on your ship first or second i actually don't know um because i don't remember what time they actually landed on our ship because it really wasn't important to me at the time to be dead honest so and i would have never known to yeah, I didn't know anything that was going on in the carrier. So, and I, I don't know if PJ knows exactly what time he landed on his ship or even what day. I mean, it could have been even a different day. So, it just it was after the interrogation. I know that. So, yeah, he he said that it was the, it was the same day, and he said that it was pretty soon after the uh, plane after the Hawkeye came back is when they yeah. came and got the Hawkeye stuff. I don't know he about would, the he, actual boat, but. He would have had he would have had a lot more access to like flight logs things like that. He would have been he, he like I wouldn't have had access. I know what when we go to flight quarters, you know whether we have things come to us, but I wouldn't have known really what time it was because I wouldn't even have been paying attention to it, man. It wasn't my job. It wasn't really important to me, so I was more kind of concerned about getting my systems back up and running after they were wiped. 
So in your opinion, having witnessed this and knowing everything you know, because I'm sure you probably know light years more than you know both of us, it kind of seems from the outside looking in, there's only a couple of options of what this could be. It, it could be 100% man-made and owned by the U.S. military. It could be U.S. military that found uh, or was given some kind of maybe extraterrestrial technology. It could be a foreign government, which could either be man-made or extraterrestrial technology, or it could be some kind of elaborate government um, hoax of some kind, um, you know, whether it's a new weapon system that they're trying to disguise or test on themselves, or maybe the, uh, the test itself is just a, a delusion of sorts. You know, there's a recent news article that came out that talked about a swarm program, you know, where they have multiple deceptive devices that fool radar systems and things like that. So in your opinion, knowing what you know, what would you think the origin and nature of this event was? Well, uh, going, you know, going incident by incident, the, uh, somebody had actually brought the swarm stuff up to me and it looked pretty interesting. So I did look into it and the, that was developed uh, a couple of years after this event. And then the characteristics of what we saw versus what that does wouldn't have matched. And with the phaser aid radar, uh, the, the technology that they're using, it wouldn't have worked. Um, it would have worked on a conventional radar, but it wouldn't have worked on the phase raid radar because there's too many feed horns. You basically have to fool too many different things at one time, so it doesn't really work. Uh, our systems would have filtered out most of it as garbage and just saw the object transmitting instead. Um, with uh, I'm right with you with the, the what-ifs and what it could be. I mean, I believe it or not, I actually got 87 different versions of what it could be because I mean I've been thinking about this for 16 years so it's but the top seven you pretty much hit on a lot of them you know um, and a, you gotta remember a lot of each different one is just like maybe a small variant off of another one too so that's why I generally don't run through that many different situations but the the primary one that people don't like is that it's basically our tech that we developed um, if that's the case, then, you know, the belief that there's a, uh, a technology cartel that was started in the 50s and continuing on now and basically people holding all of this super advanced tech hostage just for, honestly, just for profit, just like they do with oil, diamonds, everything else. I can't see why they wouldn't do the same with tech. And, and that kind of would piggyback on just about every single other one if it was something we developed you know even if it was if it was uh say roswell was real something did crash we got that technology you know i'll be honest with you half that technology would be destroyed by now because we didn't have a clue that something that looked solid could actually be technology i mean i mean solid state technology was beyond us at that time right. we, were, we were still using these massive vacuum tubes as transistors so i mean it didn't look anything like the tech we were using. So, I mean, they would have applied fire to it, water, heat, cold, electricity. They probably burnt out half the circuits just trying to figure out how they, what they, what they were. Never mind how they worked or what they did. So, if it was reversed technology, it would explain why it's taken them so long to get to this point. Because they probably only had only so much to work with to begin with. Because it, but once they've got, uh, you know, a certain level of technology, then it'd be a little easier to keep extrapolating further and further and further and advancing the technology faster and faster. Um, then, you know, so it could have, so that's the whole reversed engineered technology thing. It could be like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that think that, you know, aliens have actually been in contact with our governments and has basically shared certain technologies and, they could have just been doing a proof of concept against us. I would not put that again. I put. I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility either. Say they decided to, uh, you know, say, okay, well, we got, uh, you know, 0.786 more propulsion out of this system. Let's go see what it'll do against the uh, the CEC system that we just installed on the Nimitz battle group. 
you know, they got no weapon, not, they got no weapon load out right now. So there's no danger to us, <laughs> you know, not really giving a shit about, you know, if one of our jets crashes or one of our pilots freaks out or, you know, <laughs> or people see these things and then have a religious experience and, you know, decide, well, you know, life's not worth it anymore. Yeah. They don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't put it past them not to bother to even worry about any of that stuff and just do whatever they had to do to prove this technology works well. Right. And so there's a, a couple of things there that stand out to me because I tend to be skeptical of the alien thing in, in a lot of these cases. And on this one, what stands out to me is when PJ says that he thought within, you know, being pretty certain that it was air force guys that showed up on a Navy boat. So you being in the Navy on a boat like the Princeton, would that be unusual for Air Force guys to show up on a Navy boat and come take? Well, Navy I stuff? think a lot of people kind of are like, well, you know, why would they be on a Navy? But when it comes down to it, we're really, really, really close to the United States airspace. Uh, and I mean, it's really their job to deal with the United States airspace. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that they would be the ones that would be responsible to come retrieve the data. And then the other one that stood out to me was and I, I talked about this with Pat, uh, the Nimitz at the time had had one of the first squadrons of the E2 to receive, you know, whatever upgrades they had at the time and was out testing it. And then when the Roosevelt instance happens, you know, 10 years later or so, it's kind of the same story. It's another real early deployment of another updated version of the E2 that goes out. And then you have the, the Roosevelt instance. And I think they got two videos off of that. They're, they're not Tic Tacs. They're some other shape, but yeah, I think it's the go fast and the gimbal that, that just seemed really curious to me too, that yeah. the, the timing of it all, you know, why does it don't seem to be happening? Is it just a coincidence or is that intentional? Well, I, I, I work as a, just a regular cable, cable jockey, fixing cable. And uh, when I go repair stuff and uh, you know, the guy chops a tree down and then his cable goes out, it's usually not a coincidence that, the, that it, <laughs> so you start looking for a break, broken line. You know, I don't believe that there's really coincidences in these. Either, either they're us testing our new systems out versus their most advanced black ops stuff, or it's them just checking out our new shit. So an idea that I have on that same note, uh, you'd mentioned, you know, the one of the theories is, you know, that there's a tech cartel that's, you know, been around since the 40s or the 50s and doing all this stuff in the background. Uh, so when I look at a group like TTSA maybe, and then Lou Elizondo and people pushing for disclosure, but they always stop short of saying, you know, alien or ET, they say they have stuff and they know stuff, but they'll never say, you know, that. And even, uh, so one oh, of the they, they love, and they love hinting that there could be something. Oh, oh yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, that'll do. be a whole other conversation if we go down that hole. But, well, it's uh, well, with 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 them, you know, it's like personally, I've I've got no beef with them whatsoever. I honestly right. think that they you they had some good information. They used it to attract uh, a government contract, got their government contract. Now they're under government control to a certain degree, and it, it works both ways for the government because they're a private organization. They don't have to disclose what they're developing, right? And because the government is funding it. Government does can then say, well, we're not telling you what we're funding because that's national security. So they're literally covered on both ends of the spectrum. With well, I guess for me it would be maybe it's less TTSA and, and let's just talk about Lou Elizondo for a second. And so that's a, interesting. That's an interesting cat right there. Yeah. Um, so to me, he's he's pushing for disclosure. And so there's a group of people that wants to say it's aliens because they're you know the word disclosure is pretty much you know, candy to alien people. And uh, yeah. my thing though, is what if it is this tech cartel? What if some people in government who maybe like Lou saw that, oh, there's been this, you know, black DARPA group since however long ago that's worked on this thing and they broke physics and they came up with this world changing technology that's been classified for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that could change the world. Oh, so good news. could somebody good see news that? Is they didn't break physics. We just didn't understand it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But could, could, could it be somebody just pushing for release of, of really profound, you know, because 
profound technology and, and, and science and all that stuff, it doesn't have to be aliens, you know, to necessarily change the world to have a huge effect. Because if something can move around like the Tic Tac did and, you know, carry groceries or, you know, a sick person or just a group of tourists, I mean, that's, that's huge if you can move something that fast. Uh, well, the more important thing is the fact that, you know, a technology that can move that fast, I mean, travel around the world would be, I mean, it would just completely change overnight. I mean, it just like, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, well, you know, I got a man, the next job's in Paris. Fuck. All right. All right. Well, I'll see you guys in about 30 minutes. <laughs> it's going to take me at least 20 minutes to do the job. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, you, know. you mentioned, you know, the whole physics thing and people think that, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. How would they keep that secret? Well, you know, the, uh, the SR-71, the F-117, the B-2, nobody knew about the F-22. Nobody knew about these aircraft until they were ready to be revealed, right? Nobody really yeah. knew about the, uh, the F-117 and the B-2 until they took off in 1991 to bomb the shit out of Saddam Hussein. The government can hold secrets pretty well. Uh, there's a lot of times where they're just completely inept, but when it comes to technology development, and especially aircraft, for some reason, they seem to be able to, you know, hold those chips pretty, pretty tight. I'm, uh, I'm, pre I'm fairly certain that you literally only find out what they want to, and it's very rare that something gets out that they don't want to get out. And even if it does, they can spin it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which, you know, it brings you to a second point. So if we know about the Tic Tac, and if it is American technology, it's because they want you to know about the Tic Tac. Right. And so now you yeah. have to ask the question, why do they want you to know about the Tic Tac? Right. So is it because they're slow walking disclosure? Is it because, uh, you know, they're trying to throw off China and Russia, right. To make them think that we have like a UFO, what the fuck are you going to do about it? You know, come get us kind of a thing. Uh, everything seems to be calculated. Um, well, it's kind of like a, you know, to me, it's kind of like a, 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 a passive aggressive threat. You know, it's like, we could have this technology, so don't mess with us. You know, this is you know, look at these things that uh, that, that are running around our airspace that we're not worried about. Wonder why we're not worried about it. You know, uh, and then on top of that, if you know, say China thinks we have something like that, you know, they're going to spend ridiculous amounts of money to try to make their own. And absolutely, say if it is like, you know, say uh, say it's. Say, say we didn't develop it and it's not aliens and say it's just uh, a crazy ancient culture from our own planet you know what I mean because I mean our planet's so old there could have been other civilizations just on this planet you know and say there's a an old you know node sitting in a, underneath the ocean and all this node does is produce these drones that then you know check environmental data and I mean, in the time of the people that lived at that time, these things are just benign. They're everywhere. They're just, you know, basically like throwing the news on, hey, you know, check the drone status. You know, oh, uh, South America is doing great, you know, or whatever it was at that time, you know. And so these are just these benign drones that just literally just record information about the world. And all of a sudden, it is tech. It dies. We get it. We resource engineer it. Now we have that same tech. I mean, that could be an entirely another way that they could advance a thousand years without us knowing it. <laughs> um, like I said, I got I got a lot of different different ideas of how things could have happened, and I'll be honest with you, most of them don't have aliens involved. <laughs> but the alien ones are just the ones that a lot of people like to hear about. So sorry about talking about it too much because I'm not really. No, no, totally. You know. So, eighty-seven theories. What's your what's your number one? What's your go-to? If mine, you... my, 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 my one is go-to is that it's somehow a reverse-engineered technology. Um, because I'll be dead honest with you, it's just how far advanced it is blows my mind. Not out of the realm of possibility that we did develop it, but I mean, it's just knowing the physics involved. It just blows my mind how we could have developed it something that far without anybody, you know, even spilling the beans at all. But then again, there could have been people spilling the beans the entire time. People well, like and, Bob I was Lazar and all these people thinking it's alien and they could have been telling them, Hey guy, those are alien. Those are alien spacecrafts. Yeah. Nine of them right there. See through that window. And then all of a sudden he's coming out here, his mind's blown. 
he's and he's running his mouth. They got the perfect cover story. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all mind blowing. But what what pops into my mind is like Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton inventing calculus, right? The things he wanted yeah. to explain, he had to come up with an entire new way of doing math that we take for granted now and, and teach to high school kids, but it, it didn't exist before that. And uh, even, even in some sci-fi books that I read, a thread that pops up all the time is, what if the Einstein stuff kind of sent us in a wrong direction? Like, like what if it was a correct observation up to a point, which is really kind of what it is, and then it doesn't work? And so just here well, in the last couple of years, that's one of the actually big ones. exactly what it is. Einsteinian, Einstein, his, his physics that replaced Newtonian physics, it only works to a certain point. Right. And that's, the whole par- that's the whole problem. So when quantum physics came out and we started realizing that pretty much everything is connected in some way on a quantum level, it started making it so that the equations don't work at that level. Right. And that's the, that's the issue here is, is we can't square the quantum stuff with big scale stuff like gravity. But if you just look at it, even without, you know, not knowing needing to know any of the math involved with the Tic Tac, I think it's reasonable to suspect that whatever that is, it figured out what that link is. And it knows how to interact with the electromagnetic force and then the gravity force. And that's how it can move so freely between. Well, the irony is is in quantum mechanics, if you take time and distance out of the equations, they all work. (laughs) I mean, time, time is very, so relative and distance is so relative to, you know, the specific, the the specifics of what you're trying to figure out, you know, like say, say you're trying to figure out, you know, how fast is it going to take me to go from here to Saturn and back and you know, how much fuel, all this stuff. So you're sitting there and you're trying to, you, in normal physics, you can figure that out. But now if you move at a certain speed and you try to get past the you know, speed of light, I mean, it just, you get a wall. You go through quantum physics and you don't have to worry about it anymore because distance doesn't mean anything. And if we could find a way to use heavy gravity to use quantum entangled particles actually move physical objects from point A to point B, then literally you can travel anywhere in the universe at any time with, you know, massive amounts of energy, but it would just, you'd just be there instantaneously. Distance is going to mean anything. So, I mean, that take, that that's what quantum physics gives us. It gives us this whole new realm that just is blowing everybody's mind because it just it's starting to it's basically we we should have started there and worked our way back to Newtonian physics and we probably would have been better off <laughs> so one thing that kind of pops into my mind so if it's we're if we're going with the theory that it's reverse engineered technology then it's a then it's US government owned right so they're yes. up there flying tic tacs on their own they got 10 of them they're out there bugging you guys uh making you work night shift double shifts and all kinds of stuff like that uh and then the air force guys land on the deck take all the cool stuff um can someone just land on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier or your ship unannounced uh i think that you know you're it depends on the need to know and it depends on need to know and who they are uh, because there's always somebody higher. So, you know, if, if even if an admiral's on, there was an admiral on the carrier, you know, if he makes a call, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> he, he can have anybody come on, you know, and it, 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 there's a little bit of leeway with the captains because the captain of the ship is, no matter what, ultimately responsible for that entire ship, everybody on it, and all of its systems. Because just like a soldier doesn't have to pull the trigger if he doesn't want to ever, and it's it's actually you only you know you're not required to pull the trigger, but believe me, you will be <laughs> you will be dismissed if you don't. But if they like, say he tells the captain go shoot off all your nukes, and he's like uh, no, he can say that. It won't go very far, but he can say that. But anybody that has a high enough rank and a high enough need to know can literally just, I mean, say they could just radio from wherever they're leaving from. Here's our flight path. We're coming in. You got 20 minutes to prepare. 
and that's it. But you got to remember, we were tracking these things for almost a week. So they had plenty of time to radio somebody back in the States, report this to their, through their chain of command. You know, so at a certain point, I'm sure somebody reported this because we were seeing it. Every ship was seeing it over CC. So every single captain of every single vessel was aware of the situation. Somebody could have reported it up the chain of command. Yeah, more than likely it was the Admiral because he's going to have more need to know than anybody else in the battle group other than specific system specifics on like my ship. You know, obviously he can't just walk into my CEC shop and say, give me all your data. He has to have some type of orders to do that. You know, so it's, there always has to still be orders. So the orders come from somewhere. These people come from somewhere. They have to have some type of you know, they can't just, you know, they can land, but they'd have to have a reason to. There has to be a call ahead. There has to be somebody that says, these people are coming. You have to give them what they need. And then, yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. You, you know, I was in the Air Force for 12 years. So, you know, chain of command is you know, something I understand pretty well. But then like the uh, the inter-service rivalry type things and the your space versus our space. And, um, yeah, when it, comes, when it comes to serious shit, we both know that, right. you know. Once a chain of command puts their foot down, you just shut your mouth and do your job. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just trying to think of like the hierarchy. So if this is like a black project and only one uh, percent of the military, which is one percent of the civilian, one percent of the the United States population knows about it, I'm just trying to like think of like okay, structurally, how is this thing set up? You know, if this was a test, well, more than li- more than likely, it's set aside, right. and but they know who to call to get things done. You know, it's like they wouldn't be somebody in charge of that, 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 that op would not be there if they didn't have a situational awareness of, you know, okay, well, we just buzzed this entire battle group. So make a call over to so-and-so and make sure we secure all that data. Use the Air Force, use any means you need, just get it done. You know, yep. they, they would have that type of authority and then it would just filter down through whoever, whoever, whoever until it got done. Yeah, yeah, it would almost have to be, you know, Secretary of the Navy, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Secretary of Defense level in order to to pull something like that off without um, anybody questioning it. Definitely somebody of that, that stature. It definitely wouldn't be anybody in the Senate, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all drunk right now, so. Yeah, well, they're all about as lazy as shit as they get. <laughs> so back to the... Uh the radar data and stuff. Is there anything that you can say about that that would be particularly interesting? I mean, in movies, it just, you know, blips on a screen. It, what well, do they saw, glean from that? You saw Spaceballs, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could make all the noises for you, but it's, it's, it's pretty benign shit. It's just, a, it's just, it's, it's telemetry data. I mean, basically if, uh, I mean, what'd you do in the Air Force? I was uh, military intelligence. All right, so you probably had to deal with a lot of benign data that went through your hands on a regular basis. It's just imagine a uh, a fit rep coming through, literally boring as shit. You know, it could be inventory for an entire warehouse, or it could be whatever. So telemetry data is the same way. It, you know, it's just a bunch of a lot of numbers that mean something, but just not unless you run it through a program that will show you what it means. So we know as far as uh, stuff that the Pentagon has said in Freedom of Information Act that the other version of the video that, you know, we've already referenced a few times exists somewhere and is still secret. Well, but I guarantee the things they have all of it. <laughs> yeah. And then there's another thing that's top secret, right? Which is somewhere in the highest, but it was like a slideshow. So do you have any guesses as to what the slideshow might be? Um, yes. Can you share? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm only reluctant to share because I, I mean, basically, the only thing I really heard about it was that it was a lot of uh, like stills from the video and uh, other classified data of system origin stuff. So things related to the the f-18s equipment or the princeton's equipment yeah you know so i mean yeah it had a lot to do with the event and you know the stuff that we already know but the only thing that i you know it but it it was basically uh 
basically a situational where you know basically uh, just a a debriefing basically of you know hey this is this is the situation we have uh you know and and i know at some point they were talking about how they uh they were gonna they were gonna use the 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 bullshit ass cover story that it was spontaneously forming ice in the atmosphere and i'm sorry but our systems are way more advanced than being able to tr- you know track uh spontaneously forming ice for seven days right 40 foot long <laughs> chunks of ice yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that they move around and get into dog fights with jets <laughs> Well, that makes total sense about the slideshow because once you take, uh, and you mentioned it perfectly, once you take data, uh, once you take data and analyze data, that now becomes intelligence and intelligence is classified. So you can take unclassified run-of-the-mill data and as soon as you put a theory behind it and as soon as you put it on a PowerPoint, now it's intelligence and intelligence is classified. So, And that's a lot of what we can't, you know, what I've heard about it, it actually came from um, a person on board that would have, you know, maybe had a similar job to you in the service. And he's not, he's still in, he's not really willing to go come forward about it because he'll, he'll, he's willing to tell us more that make us clear about the fact that this really was what we thought it was and that they were aware of exactly you now that these were unknown aircraft these were a very advanced technology you know and i got a feeling that our immediate chain of command really didn't weren't weren't really in the loop with it so the fact that you know so many different people did come to take data it doesn't surprise me and that's why I can't really talk a lot about the slideshow um, it, I think it was mostly just a pictorial representation of what we already know to kind of you know spoon feed it to maybe some officers that aren't as uh, educated in physics and aviation <laughs> so you're the vice president of uh, UAP expeditions yeah super cool title <laughs> oh it is it's awesome what are you, what are you guys hoping hoping to do with that group uh basically uh we've got some people that make me feel really stupid helping us and uh we got some re- really 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 crazy smart guys that we're gonna go ahead and go out there and science the shit out of that area <laughs> this very area that we uh i know that's kind of layman's version of that but you know we're gonna go out there we're gonna take uh you know different types of radiation levels per, you know, uh, per, per area. We've got, a, we've got a whole area that we're going to cover because we've been doing a lot of uh, legwork where we're, uh, we're going and getting people's accounts. We're trying to basically see where, where the areas are the most, the hottest areas where people see things out there and come to find out, you know, the people in that area have been seeing shit up there for like over a hundred years, you know, it's and well, yeah, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, they've seen everything from orbs to, you know, tic tacs to, to cylinders to, you know, to, you know, just straight globes, you know, depending on what angle they see a, a tic tac at, it could look round or as oblong. So, um, but, you know, fish, especially a lot of fishermen have, you know, I don't know. So that's they, obviously a spot out in the ocean. So are you guys, I mean, yeah, what kind of boats are you taking out there? How do you fund it? Is you guys with fishing boats or are you chartering? Uh, well, you know, we're, we're, char- we're chartering two large uh, research vessels and we're going to be covering uh, a specific uh, a specific area near San Clemente Island. Um, we've already established that there are already magnetic anomalies in that area. There's uh you know, we're going to take water samples. We're going to take radiation. You know, we're, we're going to do actual science. We're not, we're going down there to do nuts and bolts work. We're not worrying about the spiritual aspect. We've got people involved with that aspect too. But for me, I don't really care about that stuff. I want to know how these things work, what they were, who had them. And more importantly, how do, how, how do we recreate the tech? So how do you guys go about uh, funding all that and getting all that together? It's just a lot of volunteers or, I mean, if you're chartering boats, there's got to be somebody pumping money. Well, into it. right now it's a nonprofit and we do have um, uh, 
you know, uh, people that are interested in this that don't necessarily want to go out and do their like work themselves. Sure. Um, we have anonymous donations. Um, we don't have a whole lot in the, in the kitty right now. So it, it's a whole lot of planning without a lot of funding right now. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, you know, because uh, the name of the show is called Skinwalker Radio, obviously. And this started with a conversation that I had with a guy uh, named Chris Bartell. And then uh, he came on the show and he spent time at Skinwalker Ranch, which is known for everything you just mentioned, right? Or Yeah, it's uh, the weirdest fucking place if it's actually real. <laughs> right. And so, you know, that's the the whole point of this podcast is to find out, is that real? Is that bullshit or is that real? So Chris Bartell, his story is very compelling. Nothing about his story is, uh, you know, dramatized. It's not inflated. It's all stuff that like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, that makes total sense to me. You know, so there's no reason to discredit it. However, you know, there is so much weird stuff going on with the government secrecy and then Bigelow being just a total freak. And yeah, there's just no idea something odd on. about Bigelow. I, yeah. I, I can't put my damn finger on that whole thing, whether he's a, he's just a government patsy or if he's just a, you know, if he's actually doing something. Well, if I can I, throw my two cents in on there, what I see when I look at that, and I'm not alone in this, uh, the Black Vault guy catches a lot of heat for it, is uh, obviously Bigelow was personal friends with Harry Reid. And then Bigelow was the sole bidder on this contract that would go and collect this stuff over the next few years. And that kind of stuff doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't mean that Harry Reid or Bigelow aren't sincere. It just, it's unusual. And then when you look at it even further, and some people love this, but I, I'm always kind of look at it a little sideways. Uh, you get guys like Hal Putoff and stuff involved and some of the guys that are in TTSA, and I'm sure they're all brilliant, nice guys in their own right, but they've been so attached to just some stuff that's really out there you know, from whether it's, I don't know, Scientology or anything else for so long that it's, I don't know that that really helps when it comes to, is this a thing or is it not a thing? Yeah, it's kind of hard to stay objective when you start accepting the impossible, or the, I say the highly improbable. Um, like for me, uh, I mean, you've seen how I deal with stuff on Twitter. Uh, I don't necessarily just just because everybody's, you know, jumping on that bandwagon and saying, Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this. I'm like, Oh, Hey, let's, let's take a step back. Let's think about this. You know, let's go ahead and break it down piece by piece. You know, it's just like Mick, that poor son of a bitch, that guy gets so much flack on, on Twitter. But in reality, the guy's just trying to actually make absolute sense and get the actual, you know, nitty gritty and find out exactly what's happening. And he's just kind of a dick. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, which I, I'm perfectly fine with because I'm, I'm kind of a dick too. So, <laughs> Yeah, so when you guys uh, get your funding together and after you guys go out there, you know, uh, I'd love to try to get you guys out to Skinwalker Ranch. You know, I mean, maybe I can introduce you to somebody. And, uh, maybe you guys can go out there and make something happen. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be pretty cool too because I know uh, we don't really want to stop at just this one expedition. So... Um, you know, things, things like that, I think in the future could possibly be a thing, you know, um, we, we've got, yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be like TTSA and say, Oh, we got, we got the most incredible stuff. Now we just got some give me a link to t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll give you a link to our unfinished website. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got nothing for sale. Um, you know, uh, basically anything we do find out basically as soon as we can go public with it, we will. But of course there's a, like a period of time where you can't. You gotta, you gotta, you give me, I'm not going to just come around to you and say, Hey, we're going to go do this. And then next thing you know, you turn around and be like, Oh shit, we can't do that. All right. Well, I probably shouldn't have said anything on Twitter then, you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it just, uh, we're trying to stay as transparent as possible while operating something that, you know, we, we could get in trouble for, you know, we, we stumble on things. You know, we, we, we all know that, even though most conspiracies are bullshit that the government takes a lot of this shit serious. So if we stumble on something, we shouldn't, we could be shut down tomorrow, but you know, I, I'm, uh, I've made a firm policy that, you know, somebody knocks on my door, that's it. I'm done. Wrap it up. See you later. I'm not going to, I'm not going to jeopardize my family or my, you know, if it was just my safety, maybe, but 
I got a, a beautiful little girl and uh, I got an older little girl and, you know, I got a great family and I'm not going to sacrifice any of that for this. Is a UAP expeditions a group people can, uh, can join or chip into or anything like that? Um, well, I'm kind of working on branching out a little bit to get like a volunteer basis kind of group research group going. Cause, uh, um, and I just kind of started talking to the other guys about doing that now because it, it would definitely could help us out a lot to have uh, a wide range of people helping out. Um, right now it's, it's just made up of, you know, us Navy grunts and some really smart people and some lawyers and people that can actually you know, help us get this off the ground. Um, but luckily for us, uh, the UFO community is a very va varied and vast community in all walks of life. So we've got some pretty, pretty, pretty decent people involved. Yeah, that's awesome. So if there's any way that we can help, you know, I think we would be definitely down to assist in any way possible, you know, uh, whether it's through the podcast or social media or anything else. I appreciate the hell out of what you guys are doing. You know, I don't get the sense that you guys are out there just uh, taking random pictures of satellites in the sky and then trying to convince me that there's aliens. You know, you guys are nah. more, more legit than that. And I really appreciate <laughs> that. So, yeah, I would love to help out with uh, with any anything and everything I can. So definitely keep us informed. Well, you know, I definitely, uh, hopefully, I'm, I want to basically get a good consensus amongst everybody that's part of UAP Expeditions um, before I, you know, start screaming that, I, you know, I want everybody to come join us. But, I mean, kind of my vision for at least my portion of UAP Expeditions is I really want to get, you know, guys like you guys, guys like Mick, guys like, uh, you know, even, even, it doesn't really matter, like, how fringe the guys are as long as they're not like completely insane you know get all of these people together because you never know where the next good idea is going to come from you know and if we can compile all of our personalities test each other test you know i mean because you know i tell you something and then you ask me for four different other things about it that that gives me more in, insight on the information i gave you because now i have to actually really think about what i'm doing so I really hope to have a group of people like that. And I really hope to include everybody in this community and get everybody under the damn same banner and stop arguing with each other about stupid shit. Yeah. I, so one thing I notice uh, in kind of the UFO thing as a whole is you kind of mentioned it earlier that, you know, there is a, a group that views this as kind of a more spiritual thing rather than just a thing, you know? So how do you guys plan to tackle that? Cause that seems to be kind of a big one. You know, some of the people that every picture well, they see it, is a thing and it, you know, aliens and God and all well, that. I mean, I, I, dude, I've, I've literally had emails from people telling me that I'm helping the antichrist because I'm even involved with any of this and that they're all demons and that, uh, you know, I mean, you get, and then I've got other people that say they're all angels, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard for me because even though I'm a very nuts and bolts, science oriented guy, you know, I am a saved Christian. So that's where the, uh, the God paradox comes in. And it's not really a paradox because it doesn't matter to me who created it all. It's here. <laughs> you know, we just have to figure it out. I mean, he knows, he knows everything. So we're, we're behind the eight ball on this. So we got to get, get, get ahead of the game. So for me, it doesn't affect my faith whatsoever. Um, and you know, and as we delve into quantum mechanics, it's getting more apparent that, you know, there might be a spiritual aspect to this because when something's in a quantum state, even just the mere looking at it changes the physical traits and the state that it's in, you know, something, some things literally don't even exist unless they're being viewed. So when you start looking into, you know, crazy quantum mechanics like that, it's, not so hard to think that there could be something spiritual involved with all of this, but I'm just going to keep going until I can answer the question. Well, where did that come from? Because <laughs> right. no matter what, we're always going to have that question. Well, where did that come from? Because no matter how small the particle you get, no matter what technology that you develop, you know, 
there's always going to be that question. You know, it's like if we track everything all the way back to the Big Bang, like they really want to. Well, where did the Big Bang come from? You know, so you, you're always, or where did all the energy of matter that was condensed into that one point of existence before the Big Bang, where did that come from? Yeah, so when you look at it from a physicist's point of view, you'll, you'll find that a lot of physicists are actually pretty damn religious because they can see it in the numbers. That's, that's been kind of my take too, and we don't have to get too far into this tangent. I think we've been here about an hour or so if you, you want to do something else. But uh, I, I work in aerospace, and I'm, I'm around engineers and all that stuff, and there's a lot of bright guys out there that aren't you know, the, the Mr. Irreligious guy. And I think a lot of people lose that because I think it, like you mentioned the Big Bang, uh, I mean, you could just say science is reverse engineering God if you wanted, right? We're, we're just yeah. slowly unpacking yeah. that. Right. And we're just always trying to get back to that source, but you're never going to find it. And the meanwhile, the, the, the source, whatever it is, right, is looking at you laughing. I, I've always kind of thought of it. You know, there's times where you'll be in the backyard with your kids and they're they're running off in a direction and they're going to crash into something or whatever. And you kind of go chasing after them and kind of give them a little nudge to, you know, not skin their knee or something. I, I just always kind of wonder that must be what uh, God feels like. Yeah. No, I, I, I just try to make him not make him fucking smack his face saying, oh, right. man. <laughs> you know, and, and full disclosure, you know, I, I have one foot firmly in that religious camp. So when I look at the UFO Twitter crowd, I can't help but view it through the lens of religion. And UFOlogy is a religion. Uh, they have their orthodoxy. They have their clergy. They have, uh, you know, the Vatican, which is slowly becoming TTSA. And anybody who doesn't agree with the put forth opinion is a heretic and gets excommunicated, you know, so they have their different denominations. You, in one, you have to believe that aliens are independent of anything and everything that has to do with earth and they're here to visit us and they're here to save our lives. Uh, Another denomination says that, you know, it's the same situation, only they're evil. Another denomination says that (laughs) uh, it's some mix between the two Um, and it's, it's religion and they defend these positions with religious religious zeal that you see with uh, Islam in early days of (laughs) Catholicism, you know, and it's happening right before uh, us. No, I I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I I see it every day, especially, especially in Twitter where, you know, everybody can, you know, in 10 minutes I can make an account and argue with you for four days and then never go back on that account. You know, I mean, I have a couple I, I, burner accounts because I get blocked, but I still want to see what they have to say later. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I try. Do. Like for me, if you notice, I really don't block too many people. Uh, I've only blocked one person so far on Twitter, and I think blocking I, is dumb when you can just push mute. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, you know what for me, it's when they start filling my feed up because it's such a pain in the ass. Because when when you get when you get somebody that's purposely being a troll, you know, it's kind of like. All right, if you got like a real question, man, you know, because I field everybody's questions and you, you see that. And I, I try to give somebody, I try to give everybody the answers that they may not want, but they get them anyways, if they ask me the questions. Somebody comes at me with a logical manner and they have serious questions, I answer them in a serious way. If they come at me with a bunch of bullshit, well, I give them a bunch of bullshit right back, <laughs> you know, so... Um, I think that we should stop worrying about the religion. We need to stop worrying about who's nuts and bolts, who's whack shop crazy. And you don't have to argue with them whether they're right or wrong. You don't have to argue with me whether I'm right or wrong. We just all have to work together, just like you do with all the other assholes that you work with. <laughs> right. There's a thing. Yeah. What is it? Let's go yeah. find it. We have there, 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 there are things we don't know going on. Let's all work together. You know, hey. You, sh- you shake my hand, I shake your hand. I think you're nuts, but you know what? You might have a point. Let's 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 run that path. Well, it didn't go anywhere. Let's run my path. Hey, it didn't go anywhere either. Let's figure out somewhere in between. But, you know, and obviously there's just some people that we're not ever going to be able to work with. But I got a feeling that anybody that has a rational mind, we can get everybody together to work together to try to figure out things like Skinwalker Ranch, things like, you know, the, the, the Nimitz encounter, the, 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 the Gimbal, the, you know, the Rendlesham case, uh, all of these things, you know. And a lot of the reason why a lot of this stuff just perpetuates itself is because nobody wants to be on the same page and everybody gets so caught up with, you know, like, who, how many followers do you got? Who are you? 
why are you important? You know, and I'd be like, I'm not, but I have something to say. And if you want to listen, I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, if not, then, well, I don't really care. No, absolutely. So if people want to get a hold of you or find out about UAP expeditions, uh, what's the best way to do that? I think uh, I went ahead and I did send all my contact information to you. If you want to go, just go ahead and throw it in the caption underneath this. They can uh, they can reach me at all of it. I think I got my email, Twitter, Facebook, everything on there for you guys. So go ahead. You can include that right underneath this so that uh, people can contact us. Um, that, that email specifically just for UAP stuff and UFO stuff and uh, you know, if anybody wants to tell me any stories, send me anything like that. I I give everything a fair shake. I'm not going to promise to believe everything, but I'm also not going to tell you you're an idiot unless, well, you get shitty with me. So, <laughs> No, no, definitely. I want to thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a really awesome conversation. You had a lot of really cool things to talk about, and uh, yeah, I got a lot of things I need to digest. Yeah. Well, just know you're not alone, man. I'm also saved. <laughs> <laughs> all right man really appreciate it you have a good weekend hey take it easy guys have a good one yep bye thanks for listening to the patriot media podcast i hope you've enjoyed it Please subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, and consider being a donor. If you donate to the show, it helps me grow the podcast to reach more people just like you. And also, I will give 10% of each donation back to homeless veterans. Thanks for listening.